to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, it's a joy to be with you today and on this day after Christmas, we conclude a series of messages that we start at the beginning of the month entitled, A Savior Who is Christ the Lord. Now, you'll know by now that those words come to us from that experience that the shepherds had on the hillside there near Bethlehem when the angels uh, suddenly appeared or the angel appeared and, and offered that phrase that I bring you good news of great joy. Well, that will be to all people, that's, that's you, that's me, to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And over the last few weeks, we, we have tried to understand why that's good news, because that's what the angel said, this is good news, that brings great joy, a Savior's been born to you. Now, to do that, we have looked at the book of Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul kind of unpacks that for us and helps us understand why having a Savior come is good news. And we discovered that that there are three questions that we really need to have answered if we're going to understand why it's good news. And the first one that we unpacked together was why we need a Savior. It's not going to do us any good to know that he came as a savior unless we know we need a savior and we talked about why we need a savior we discovered that the bible says paul says you are dead in your trespasses and sin you are dominated by a world and a worldview and satan and self and you're a slave basically you're not in control of your life and you're doomed there's nothing you can do about it and so when we understand that then suddenly we begin to realize we need a savior. And when we realize that he came as a savior, that's good news. But not only that, we even answered the question, why would he come? If that's true about me, why would God come to earth to save us? You know, I've always been amazed at that verse of scripture we're familiar with, for God so loved the world. When you stop and think about the kind of world that God loved, why would he love this world? Why would he choose to love us? And we answered that question together. And then the final question we looked at last time we were together is how does he save us? Because we are dead in our, what did he do to give us life? How does he give us freedom from the domination of the world and and Satan? And then finally, uh, we're doomed. And yet we discover that he came to offer us hope and life eternal. Well, today what I want to do, I want to go back to that encounter that the shepherds had on that hillside that kind of started this this idea and this thought for the message unto us, a Savior is born, a Savior Christ the Lord. And I want to show you today how the good news of the Savior coming and the joy it brings is connected to the fact that because we have a Savior, now get this, we no longer have to be afraid. Now I think that's a powerful truth for us to embrace, especially as we go into a new year with a kind of uncertainty 
that we experience today. So let's go to that passage of scripture that kind of got us into a, the thought process of answering these questions and it's recorded in Luke's gospel chapter two. So let's look at that Christmas story, Luke chapter two, and, and though Christmas is a day behind us, let's, let's not close the book yet until we look once more and see how it impacts our life as we move forward. Look at verse eight all the way through verse 12 together. Very familiar words. We've looked at them every week, even though our attention has been primarily on Paul and what he said in, in Ephesians 2. But in chapter 2, verse 8, here are these words. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You know that story as it continues. But in those first verses that we read, we find this encounter that the shepherds have with the angels. And the thing that intrigues me about this is that the first declaration that the angel makes to the shepherd is, don't be afraid. Now, there are two logical reasons why they would say that. Number one, it would be frightening if an angel suddenly appeared and you're just kind of minding your own business and all of a sudden there's an angel that appears and, and you're wondering what in the world, you don't know if it's a good one or a bad one. I, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a story of a, of a, a, a caretaker for a cemetery in New Orleans, Louisiana. And in New Orleans, in cemeteries, you bury people above ground because the water table is so, um, so shallow that if you dig down a couple of feet, you're going to hit water. So they don't dig graves in New Orleans. They bury them above ground. And it creates, if you have ever been there, some pretty creepy places, honestly. The, the cemeteries there can be intimidating. And if you go in the evening, and they even have tours that you can take, and, and, uh, and, and it, it's, it's kind of gets a hold to you. And, and, and so it's not surprising that a caretaker for one of the major cemeteries there, he, he said the number one question that he has been asked more than any other question is, in all your time of taking care of this cemetery, have you ever seen a ghost? And his response was, only once did I think I saw a, a, a ghost. And in that encounter, I, I saw this ghost, or I thought I did, and I reached out my hand to see if the ghost was there, but he wasn't. And then the ghost reached out his hand to see if I was there, and I wasn't there either. <laughs> It would be unnerving, okay, if an angel suddenly appeared. So I understand that the angel would say, first of all, okay, guys, calm down. It's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. Everything's going to be fine. Chill. I, I don't know exactly the way he said it, 
but don't be afraid, everything's okay. But you know what? I think there is a prophetic tone to those words also. And I think the angel might have been saying, in fact, don't, don't be afraid right now. I, I'm telling you, I've got good news for you. And because a Savior's coming, you're, you're never going to have to be afraid again. There's not going to be anything that has happened or will happen that will cause you to be afraid because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And, and you know, as I began to think about that, I thought, wow, that is good news. And that's the kind of good news that we need. Because wouldn't you agree with me? Our life is dominated by bad news. And the bad news we hear on the news is designed to make us afraid. Think about it. COVID cases are on the rise, spiking. And if we have, you know, 10 COVID cases, well, that doesn't sound intimidating. So. Let's just start looking at the percentages because that sounds much more intimidating. And, and we try to communicate in a way that makes us afraid. COVID cases are on a rise. Hospitals are overwhelmed. The economy is tanking. I mean, it is out of control. We are, we're in a spiral downward. Gas prices are skyrocketing. The supply chain issues are gonna impact you. We can show you empty shelves in the grocery store so that you know that toilet paper is going to be at a premium. <laughs> I even saw this this week. 5G cell towers are about to be opened up. And you know what's going to happen? Plane crash. Planes are going to be impacted by that. They're going to crash. That's the worst of the 5G thing. And, and the best case scenario is that they're just going to have to say, well, if you guys open up the 5G things, we're just going to quit flying. And so it's going to impact the number of flights that are there and disrupt travel plans. And don't try to go buy a new car. They're not any available. Oh, they're available, but they don't have any chips. We have to have a chip. You know, they've got a computer in them. And so we've got lots and lots of new cars, but none of them are, are, are serviceable because we have a chip shortage. And that has created a whole new dynamic where used cars are, are more valuable and expensive sometimes than new cars. In the housing market, oh man, it is through the roof. Your house worth more than it's ever been before. But before you're tempted to sell it, you need to understand that you're going to have to buy one. And there are none available. And if you think you could just sell it and go rent, no, there are no rental properties available either. And oh my goodness, global warming. We're experiencing that right now. Somebody texted me yesterday, Merry Christmas, Pastor. Don't forget to put on sunscreen. <laughs> Natural disasters, worker shortages everywhere you go, we need help. And then there's a border crisis. And then there's a China crisis. And then there's a Russia crisis. And we could go on and on. Cybersecurity is an issue and there are ransomware issues out there. Somebody's got your information and selling it on the dark web. And the values that you and I hold to are under attack as never before today.
And just the fact that we are Christians has revealed that we live in a world that has become hostile toward Christianity. In a canceled culture that cancels anything that doesn't agree with them, no wonder we're depressed. No wonder stress is at an all-time high. No wonder we're so anxious. But listen, you don't have to be afraid. Fear not. In fact, you know what's amazing? That becomes a theme in the Christmas story. I mean, the Christmas story begins as we read about it with with God coming to a man by the name of Zacharias and telling him that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a child who would be John the Baptist. That's kind of where that Christmas story begins, right? And the angel appears to Zacharias and says to him, Zacharias, don't be afraid. Fear not. God has heard your prayer. You don't have to be afraid anymore. And and the same angel, I believe, appears later to Mary. And what's the first thing the angel says to Mary? Don't be afraid. And that angel also appears to Joseph in a dream. And what does the angel say to Joseph? Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And then later, after the birth of Christ, he appears to the shepherds on the hillside, and what does he say? Don't be afraid. There seems to be a theme in the Christmas story that says, don't be afraid. There's no need for you to fear. Even with all the bad news and all the stuff out there that frightens us, the good news of great joy is that we have a Savior, and because we do, there is no reason to be afraid. So what I want to do in our time together is help you kind of embrace this truth. And in order to do that, I want to answer two questions, two final questions. The first question would simply be this, why shouldn't I be afraid? Why? Why would the angel say, don't be afraid? I mean, I mean, that's a natural response when this happens. And isn't it true that the natural response for any of those things that I just mentioned a moment ago would be fear? any of those issues when we look into the future when we look at 2022 and we don't know what the future holds and we don't know how this pandemic is going to impact us we don't know what the economy is going to do we don't know how we are going to be impacted by that the natural response within us is to be afraid so why shouldn't i be afraid if that's the natural response well because This story of Christmas reveals, listen to this. It's not something that we talk about very often, but do you understand the story of Christmas reveals that God is in control? That's the message of the birth of Jesus. God's in control. I mean, if we look at those four incidents that I mentioned where the angel says, don't be afraid, one of the things that we're going to see running through that as a thread through fabric is the reality that God's in control. God appears to Zacharias when he is in the temple serving and as he is offering incense, the angel of the Lord appears to him. And I love this story because Zacharias and Elizabeth were old. They had prayed all their life for a child and Elizabeth was barren, they had no children. 
And the angel appears to him after he is an old man and he even responds to that by saying, and my wife is beyond childbearing years. And the angel appears to him and says, don't be afraid. And this is, this is just kind of mind blowing because this is what the angel says. God has heard your prayer. Wait, now what? God heard your prayer. What prayer? The prayer where you have been asking for a child. You know, I think Elijah probably hadn't prayed. I mean, uh, Zacharias probably had not prayed that prayer in a while. I, I think he'd probably already given up on that, don't you think? Don't you think at some point he was thinking to himself, God, we prayed you would give us a child, and he kind of gave up on that dream, and Elizabeth gave up on that dream, and they resigned themselves to the fact that they would never have any children. They had gotten older. Their grandparent age now, and I'm not talking about in our culture because there are a lot of young grandparents. I'm talking about my grandparents' age, old grandparents, you know, the old time. They were old, Right? And maybe it's just because, maybe my grandparents actually were the same age I am because I was younger. I just thought that was old, and now that I'm that age, I don't see. Anyway, they were old, and they were beyond childbearing years. And I find it funny that the angel would come and say, Zachariah, God heard your, God heard your prayer. Now, you know what's really fun about that? God said yes to that prayer years earlier. God had already said yes. Zacharias had said, God, would you give us a child? And God said, yep, be happy to do that. But it doesn't happen. And he keeps praying. And God says, yep. And he keeps praying. And finally, he gives up. You know what that tells me? There are some of you that have been praying for something for years. You've given up. And God said yes a long time ago. God doesn't work on our time frame. He's in control. He has a plan and a purpose that is unfolding to accomplish his plan. The story of Christmas reveals that God is in control. And God is able to say, Zacharias, I've got a plan. You want a child now, I'm going to say yes, but the child's going to come later because you are going to be a part of a plan. And I want you to understand that God's timing always involves his plan for your life. And we see in this story a God in control. Why should I be afraid if the gas prices are going through the roof? God's in control. He's not sitting on his throne caught off guard. We find the same story with Mary. All of a sudden, the angel visits Mary and, and begins to tell her, you're going to have a child. And she's like, this is crazy. What do you mean I'm going to have a child? I've not been with a man. I know how children are born. This hadn't happened. We are betrothed to be married, but we have not been together. And you know what the angel said to her? Hey, Mary, listen, 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 listen. Don't be afraid. Things that are impossible for you are not impossible for God. So you don't have to be afraid. You see, some of you are facing impossible challenges. And you know what the story of Christmas tells us? Things that are impossible for you are not impossible for God. Things that are so big you can't overcome, they're not too big for God. The story of Christmas reminds us that God's in control. We don't have to be afraid. He is in the driver's seat. And all of a sudden we find the same thing happen with Joseph. 
When Joseph says, what am I going to do? I can't take her as my, my wife and, and the shame, but I love Mary and I don't want to put her away. I don't want to have her killed. He could have literally had her stoned to death, but he makes up his mind as a righteous man. I'm going to put her away silently, but I'm not going to go through with a marriage. And all of a sudden the angel comes and says, hey, Joe, don't be afraid. God has a plan. It may not make sense to you right now, but God has a plan. He's in control. He's not caught off guard. He's not surprised. None of this is a shock to him. And all of a sudden on the hillside, the, the shepherds are there and the angels come and says, guys, don't be afraid. God's in control. Under you is born this day in the city of David a savior. You don't need to be afraid. You see, you're dead and your trespasses and sin. You're dominated by worldview and Satan and self. You need to be given freedom from the bondage you're in. There is no, no hope for you. You are doomed, but God loves you. The story reveals to us that God's in control. So I want to remind you, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you are facing, no matter what's happening in the world around us, God's not surprised. He's in control. God's not sitting in heaven saying, wow, I didn't see this pandemic thing come. I didn't see that coming. I hadn't planned on that. I didn't know the economy was going to tank. I didn't. God is in control. And because he's in control, you don't have to worry about it. You can place your trust in him. You can find confidence in him to God. So, so why shouldn't I be afraid? Because God's in control. But secondly, I think also as a theme in the story, he, he says to them, you need a savior. That's, that's why it's good news. But I think the answer to the question, why did Jesus come also offers us a reason why we shouldn't be afraid. Because he's a gracious God. God loves you. Why shouldn't I be afraid with all the challenges? Because God loves you. He cares about you. He understands the challenges that you are facing. He, he's in control, but he's gracious. What, what did Paul say? He is great in his love, his great love. And he's rich in mercy. And he's abundant in grace. This is a God that cares about us. What's amazing in this story is the characters that we just looked at, Zacharias and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, all of them experienced the grace of God in their life. But there was nothing special about any of them. They didn't earn it. They didn't do anything. There was nothing that they accomplished that singled them out, it demonstrates that God is gracious and loving. Brings us back to that John 3 text that I mentioned earlier because the Bible says God so loved the world, he gave. God loves you. We don't have to be afraid of him. We don't have to, you know, some people are afraid of God. And, and the angels said, don't be afraid, dude. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. The strength that you're afraid of is on your side. I'm with you and I'm for you and God's here. So we recognize, I think that the story of Christmas tells us 
We don't have to be afraid. When you walk into 2022, don't worry. God's got this. You trust him. You put your faith in him. Now, that brings us to the second question, because I do know this. It's easier to say, don't be afraid, than it is to not be afraid, right? It's easy for me to say, don't worry about that. And then the stock market tanks and you're on a fixed income and you see your retirement income impacted by that. You see the challenges that you are facing. So let me just in the last moments give you something practical that that's helped me be free of fear when I'm tempted in the challenges that, that I face in life. How do we do that? Well, um, the how, I, I think I could put it to you this way and it might be helpful. Um, it is not unusual for people to, in the course of conversations, ask me to pray for them and tell me about challenges that happen in their life and, and I do pray for you. And every time a person says, Pastor, would you pray for this? I immediately whisper a prayer at that moment because I don't want to forget that. I want to make sure that I do. And, and as God brings it back to my mind, I, I pray for you. But there's also a wonderful blessing that I've enjoyed as a pastor through the years, and that is that people will sometimes say to me, how can I pray for you? Pastor, how can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? How are you doing? And <clears throat> there's, I always answer that question the same way. There's always one thing that I ask for when someone asks me to pray, pray for me. And I do this on purpose. It's not flippantly, it's not, it, 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 I really have discovered that these are two critical ingredients that if I can get this right, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not gonna be afraid. So this is what I usually say. Some of you know what I'm gonna say. Pray that I stay close and clean. I want to be close to him and I want to be clean. And I really believe that that is a key ingredient in, in living our life without fear. When I look at these four people, they seem to have been close to God so that they could hear him say, don't, don't be afraid. Zacharias was serving God in the temple. <clears throat> He was seeking God. Now, the reason we say that's because the angel says, hey, God's heard your prayer. So obviously he was a man of prayer. So he was seeking God. He was spending time with God. He was open to what God wanted and what God would say. Um, and we don't know about Mary. We do know that, that, that the Bible says God said to her, the angel, God is, you, you found favor. There's indication that she was righteous that Joseph was a righteous man, a man that was right with God, that signifies that closeness. The shepherds on the hillside, we don't know anything about them spiritually, but I will say this. I think that they were all close to God, and, and this is why I think that, because of their response to God. All of them immediately said yes. I mean, Zacharias had that hesitation, which would kind of be normal, wouldn't it? That, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. 
We're beyond those childbearing years. We've given up on that dream. We've given up on that prayer. We've already accepted that you're not going to answer that. And, and, and there was a sense of, of doubt with him. But yet we recognize that, <clears throat> that he was obedient. He did what God said. Even when Joseph, I mean, when John was born later, um, Elizabeth said his name's going to be John. And other people in the room were like, nobody in your family's named John. That's ridiculous. And, and so they came uh, to Zacharias and said, what is his name going to be? It's, certainly it's going to be Zacharias, right? You're going to name this child after yourself. And he still couldn't speak at the time, but he wrote down his name will be John. He was obedient. Mary, what did she do when the angel said to her? She said, this is impossible. How in the world is this going to be? Well, things that are impossible for you, Mary, are not impossible for God. So what did she say? Okay. Be it done to me according to whatever he wants. She knew what she was saying yes to. She knew the stigma attached to that reality. And, and even Joseph, after he hears in a dream, he hears this voice say, don't be afraid to take Mary. I don't know about you, but I, I might, I may question that dream the next morning. But Joseph doesn't. He said, okay, done. I'm going to take her as my wife. I'm not going to be with her sexually until after Jesus is born. I'm gonna, yes. And the shepherds on the hillside interrupted by a bunch of angels that show up and say to them, we got good news for you. Under you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, Christ the Lord, and here's the sign. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in the manger. And as soon as the angels, they're gone, sky's black again, and they look at each other, and we went about, wow, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in all my life. What do they do? They turn to each other and say, hey, let's go check that out. They were obedient. You know, it reminds me of a little song we used to sing, a hymn we used to sing when I was growing up in the church. You remember that, that old hymn, Trust and Obey? For there's no, you know, trust and obey can almost be the bottom line of what it means to walk with God. To just trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And, and you remember part of that, I was trying to think of the part, part of the, 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 uh, the verse when in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we walk by his side in the way. Um, while we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. If you stay close to him, meaning that you're in the word and, and you read the word not to know the word, you read the word to know him and you pray, and you spend time with God, you stay close to him. I'm gonna tell you, in those moments when fear rises within us, he will rise taller, close, but also clean. When I use the word clean, I don't necessarily mean that we are deserving of his use. Mary, <clears throat> When I look at those four that we just looked at, it's interesting that, that when God comes to bring J John, the forerunner of Jesus, into the midst, he didn't go to the high priest. He would have been the most important person. He goes to this obscure person by the name of Zacharias who's just kind of doing his routine rotation. And he picked Zacharias and Elizabeth because they were close and because they were clean, because they were usable.
He picks Mary. Why did he pick Mary? Isn't it interesting? He doesn't pick rich, powerful parents for Jesus. People that could offer all kinds of opportunities for him that Mary and Joseph could not. He picks Mary and Joseph. Maybe because they were available, usable. No announcement of his birth to the elite. He announces his birth to a bunch of shepherds on the hillside because he saw in them a heart that was willing to be obedient. You see, God's more interested in your availability than he is interested in your ability. Some of us think I can never be much for God. Well, it's not what you can do that matters. It's what you will let him do through you that matters and being available close and clean means that we can have no fear and I want to tell you something when you live life with no fear you live life right and God says to us I think in the theme of the story don't be afraid I'm in control don't be afraid I love you don't be afraid to say yes to me when I call you you be obedient you walk with me even when it looks like that the path I'm leading you in is contrary to the path the world says you should take you hang with me and you will have no reason to be afraid that my friend is the difference between you and I as we walk into this new year we can do it without fear because we have a savior who is Christ the Lord and that's good news because you need a savior if you have never accepted Jesus as your savior you need a savior you're not going to heaven you are a sinner separated from God you are dead and there's nothing you can do about it you can't fix your condition you can't be good enough to go to heaven you can't join enough churches and be baptized enough times to go to heaven. You're not going to make it. You need a Savior. But in your broken, lost condition, the Bible says, but God, great in love, rich in mercy, not wanting you to get what you deserve, offers you grace of new life. He came and lived and died so that you could be saved. And today you could receive him as Lord and Savior of your life by inviting him to be that, confessing and turning from your sin. And as believers, we can live our life in a world that is afraid. We can live with no fear. And that might be the thing that separates us from everyone else is the fact that we're not really worried. We know who holds the future, and it's the same one who holds us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the message you've given us today, an opportunity to embrace this truth as we move into this new year. There are some that are listening today that have never accepted you as Savior, and I pray that through this series we've recognized why it's good news that a Savior has come. We need a Savior. And if there's someone trusting anything to get them to heaven apart from Jesus, I pray the day where they would realize they're not going to make it. 
You're the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by you. Thank you that there's only one way, Jesus, so that we're not confused. There's not a Baptist way or a Catholic way or a Methodist way. There's only one way, Jesus, and it's you. And if there's one here that's never accepted you, may today be the day they say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I'm turning from it. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I receive your forgiveness. I believe, Jesus, you came and lived and died and rose again. And I want you as my Savior and Lord. And even as they prayed that, I know you heard and have answered that prayer. And for the rest of us, Father, who are walking in you, I pray that we will make it our desire and goal through the power of the Holy Spirit to live close and clean so that we can live above fear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us. Thank you.